0: Good morning, everyone, and welcome into another edition of the MacGyver Newsmakers podcast. I'm Brett Healy, president of the John K. MacGyver Institute for Public Policy, and we are excited to have you join us for a timely conversation with State Senator Roger Roth to talk about meaningful and substantial tax reform. Fans of MacGyver know that we have been pushing for transformative tax reform in the Badger State for years, and we are excited that Senator Roth has joined the debate so critical to the future of our state with a serious and well-thought-out proposal. A quick reminder before we get started, with the continuing censorship of conservatives and ideas that do not fit big tech's radical dogma, please take a second to sign up for the MacGyver Institute newsletter at MacGyverInstitute.com. While the social media censors will hide and throttle our content from you on Facebook and other platforms, signing up for our email newsletter is a direct connection and the only way you can be sure that you will receive MacGyver's timely and spot-on analysis that you will not find anywhere else in the mainstream media direct to your inbox. Now on to today's conversation. We welcome in Senator Roth. Welcome Senator Roth. You're here
1: today to talk to us a little bit about uh, a new proposal, a new piece of legislation that you just recently introduced. It would eventually uh, reduce Wisconsin's income tax brackets to zero,
2: please. Talk to us a little bit about yeah. your,
1: your proposal and and your thinking behind
2: it. Yeah, well, uh, it's great to be with you here today. Um, you know, this is we're excited about this this tax plan that we introduced, and I think if you look at what's been happening around our country over the last twenty months, uh, particularly as a result of this pandemic, uh, you've you've had a situation where people weren't tied to their offices anymore. So we'll probably to some extent get back to that, but businesses were cutting their people loose, telling them to work from home. And people were fleeing the cities. They were even fleeing the suburbs. They were trying to get to to the great outdoors, uh, bring their families there. And what we learned in just the demographic changes were that these families were making decisions on where to go based on what the tax climate was so a lot of people flee in new york a lot of people fleeing california to places like texas in florida and what do they have that that uh, texas and new york don't um they have a, a they're an income tax free state so we recognize that in this new in this new economy that we're going into where people have that freedom and flexibility for us to be able to compete here in Wisconsin we're going to have to we're going to have to do things a little bit differently and we're going to lose on the weather i love the outdoors my in the winter time my family and i we we are uh, avid snowboarders so we're out there on the ski hills and so forth but i recognize for everybody it's not the way it is They might want to go down to florida for a couple of months a year and so forth but we shouldn't punish them uh, and force them to stay elsewhere for 6 months in a day just so that they can avoid uh, the taxes here in Wisconsin were the ninth highest tax state all uh, included here in the United States. And and so I, I felt now was the time. And we worked for well over half a year with uh, other groups and organizations on getting this language right. And and, and what we came up with was uh, elimination. We're going to take the $3.8 billion right now that the state has in a surplus, automatic apply that across the board are our tax brackets that gets us actually pretty close to I think you guys are advocating for a three percent flat tax it gets us pretty close the the third tax bracket would be just over three the highest tax bracket would go from 7.6 down to 4.5 so a significant down payment on eliminating the state income tax and then what we do going forward there isn't any sales tax increase it's just we take the excess revenues, the surpluses that are coming into the state, and we just continue to buy that down until there is no income tax here in Wisconsin. So the response has been pretty good. I think senior citizens love the fact that we won't be taxing retiring retirement income. They'd like to be home with their grandkids instead of being forced into exile for six months in a day. I think business owners love it, particularly our small business owners. Um, you know the the uh, I believe it's 90% of small business employees, half of all employees in Wisconsin, many of those pay their taxes as a pass-through entity on their personal income taxes. So this is a direct help to our struggling small businesses in Wisconsin. And I think it's what we need to do to make Wisconsin that place that's gonna attract not only businesses, but workers. We need workers here in Wisconsin. So that's kind of the, the mindset uh, that we went into in getting to where we are right now, that now we've got a tangible plan in front of the legislature, the first that I can remember, but a tangible plan to fully eliminate the state income tax in Wisconsin. And we should point out,
1: um, the critics on the far left, the ultra-progressives always decry any sort of significant tax cut because of uh, supposedly unfair treatments across all taxpayers your plan using that immediate surplus would be a significant tax cut for those on the lower uh, uh, side of the income level, uh, going from a 3.54 tax rate down to a 2.15% tax rate immediately. That's important. uh, And I think it needs to be pointed out.
2: Yeah, it, it, uh, it is significant. Um, You know, we, I mean, yes, the we're cutting all the tax brackets we have to, to to fully eliminate it, but everyone is going to see tax relief. Anyone who pays taxes in Wisconsin is going to see significant tax relief under this plan immediately, I mean, in 2022, and then going forward, it would just continue to buy down uh, until it was eliminated. So, Any- I mean, I was at the State of the State, Right? Did you listen to the State of the State? I yeah. did. Did you happen to listen to that? the so there you have the governor out there claiming credit for the almost like the guy was running as a republican in fact you know we split the chamber you have democrats on one side republicans on the other and when he was touting the taxes he cut there was audible laughter from the democrat side they're all wearing masks of course so you could but you could hear the laughter because even they knew that look this isn't, we get what he's trying to do, but you know, you got us like, so they even recognize that it's a fallacy to say um, to say that he's this great tax cutter. But um, at the end of the day, you know, I'm glad he signed our budgets. They got us to the point where we've had significant tax relief. Fiscal Bureau put out a memo, a memo yesterday, I believe saying that uh, we've cut taxes um, since 2011 by some $22 billion. um, And that's all, all kinds of, uh, all taxes included in that. Um, but this income tax is, this is real. This is significant. And if we're going to be the kind of state that's going to compete with the Floridas and the Texas, we're going to have to come to terms with this. And and I'm encouraged, I've spoken with the lieutenant, I'm sorry, with the governor candidates running right now. Um, you know, some people will say, why bring this up? The governor is going to veto it and so forth. I get that. But I want this election that we're going into to be a mandate. Uh, we've seen we've seen how uh, this administration has led. I want I want there to be a stark contrast here and people to know that that there are consequences for uh, which candidates they support. And I'm happy to say that Republicans are supporting fully eliminating the state income tax in Wisconsin.
1: It, it should be pointed out that. Um with the tax cuts that legislative Republicans, some with uh, Governor Walker, but uh, legislative Republicans have pushed through since 2011 and that, that huge savings to taxpayers. We still have a fully funded state government, fully funded local government. Uh, revenues have always increased, tax collection revenues have always increased the state to the point where we've been running surpluses Uh, consistent and significant surpluses these uh, many last years. Uh, So can you talk a little bit about the the predictable criticism from those on the far left that somehow this is regressive and it's going to lead to our schools being starved or prisons being thrown open because we don't have enough revenue?
2: Um, Well, you're right. Like if you look at the responsible budgeting that we've had, thanks to Republican control now for about a decade. Um, We don't have, and the economy's been relatively healthy too. Obviously when there's a downturn in the economy, there's a downturn in revenues coming into the state. But even in light of everything that we went through in the pandemic, uh, we've been very resilient here. And it's because we've made the conscious choice in the legislature to not grow government at the expense of the taxpayer. So we've made those targeted investments where we've needed to. We spend more money, and we can talk about education later. We spend more money on public education in Wisconsin, K-12 education, than we ever have before in the history of our state. And in spite of all of that, we still have these record surpluses coming into the state. So I think that's indicative of the fact that we've got government fully funded. We have our our pension uh, fully funded, which you can't say for our neighbors in Illinois and elsewhere. We even have a rainy day fund. I mean, we didn't have that coming into the Walker years uh, back in in 2011. We didn't have that that safety net. And now we've got a a rainy day fund that's sitting at just under $2 billion to help us weather a potential economic uh, havoc. Uh, Who knows, I suppose, what's going to happen with uh, everything that's going on in in Ukraine and so forth. But it was responsible budgeting that led us to the place that we're at right now. And now we have $3.8 billion sitting on a surplus. Governor Evers wants to call a special session. He wants to bring in the legislature to write a 150 buck check back to every Wisconsinite. And I'm saying to myself, $150, let's give it all back. We have it because we're taxing too much. We're able to support the government we have. And afterwards we've got 3.8 billion in surpluses. It's time to give all of it back. And the criticism you're gonna hear from Democrats as well, you're gonna starve government to the point where they won't. it won't be able to, uh, it won't be able to, to take care of the programs that, that we have and the people that, and, and that's actually false. What we find out is that if we were to do this, uh, you're gonna look at, and, and this is kind of borrowing from a study that was done by Crow. Now their study was built on a sales tax increase as well. Our plan doesn't have that sales tax increase in there for a variety of reasons. But what we find is that using dynamic scoring, you're going to have in the long run, um, after tax income for families are going to go up 10%. And that 10% is going to lead to more consumer spending, that more consumer spending results in more sales taxes and revenues coming into our state, more corporate taxes as businesses grow and expand coming into our state. So there, there will not be an issue where the state somehow is starved of money. Um, and you know, maybe there's there's something we can continue to look at uh, in related to that, but the we're, we have the ability to fully eliminate the state income tax and support the government that we have right now, thanks to responsible budgeting by Republicans over the last decade.
1: Uh, so you, you introduced the bill, I think it was last week. Uh, can you share with us a little bit about where it is and the and the immediate timeline for your bill
2: yeah so the session is running is running out you know the the sand in the in the bottle is is almost uh almost to its end so uh, our goal paramount goal here first and foremost was we wanted to get a workable plan we just don't want to like hey, we want to do this and have nothing to back it up. We wanted an actual legislation that could be signed into law, introduced so that it could go through the scrutiny and people could could look at it and understand it and and, uh, debate it on its merits. And we've done that. We have that out there now before the legislature, having conversations with legislators, getting a positive response. I do not think uh, the assembly, I believe their last day is uh, going to be today, the Senate will be coming in in a couple of weeks. I do not think we're going to get it to the point where uh, it will be on Governor Evers' desk. That's really, you know, neither here nor there. He was going to veto it anyway. He can't support this because the dirty little secret is that uh, eliminating the income tax, you know, we get about $17 billion in income in, in revenues to the state from income tax. Democrats want that to be able to use that to grow government. If they ever get back in power and we're going to be hamstringing government and constraining it to only growth through sales taxes and corporate taxes. So he would never sign it. But our goal again was to put this out there so that people in Wisconsin know that there is a choice. And there is a contrast between the way we are currently being led by this administration in the potential with, with a new governor. And that was our primary goal. And, and I believe we're succeeding in that.
1: Uh, you mentioned the, the governor uh, state of the state speech and uh, his call for a special session on his proposal, the $150 check to uh, every Wisconsinite uh, built on a surplus of federal dollars, unlike Mm -hmm. Governor Walker and his proposal, which was built on fiscal prudence and tax cuts, a a hot economy. Governor Evers' plan is is really just a transfer from all this federal money we're seeing. Uh, Any chance uh, the legislature, Senate or Assembly comes in to consider Governor Evers'
2: proposal? I doubt it, but I am encouraging Every time I get asked this, this is my answer. I think we have to I think we have to take this opportunity. So a governor can call a special session, the legislature doesn't have to come in if they don't want to. I believe this is an opportunity for us to come in and pass this elimination of the state income tax. And he wants the whole purpose of it, I mean he's actually calling it spend the surplus. He wants to give 150 bucks back to people, but he wants to grow government. He wants to spend the remaining, that $150 check to all Wisconsin has about 840 million. The remainder he wants to spend to grow government. So I think we should come in, take his plans and proposals to grow and expand government, drop them in the waste basket, and then bring up this, full, this, this plan to fully eliminate the state income tax, including an immediate $3.8 billion tax cut. So that's what I'm pressing my legislators and my leadership to do. I don't know what we will do. At the end of the day, it's going to take a a new vision and a new leadership in the East Wing to fully implement this. But um, I think what Governor Evers proposed there really shows you where his heart's at. So while we mentioned before, at the beginning of his speech, he talked about how he was the great tax cutter. i mentioned all the laughter, serious. Now coming from the Democrat side, he finishes speech by talking about how he wants to grow and expand government. And and I don't think uh, our issue here is that uh, our government, uh, um, you know, in his words, isn't big enough. Uh, I think our issue is uh, we got to grow and empower individuals. And the way we do that is by giving them more control over their their hard-earned dollars. So um, if we do come in, Brett, I think it'll be a great day if we come in and and pass this bill. Uh, I'm not counting on it, but I am encouraging our leadership to, to take him at his word and, and come in and pass this bill.
1: You, you speak of empowering individuals. Another big issue, uh, set of issues that uh, the legislature is currently debating is education reform. A lot of uh, different ideas in this arena. Again, Unlikely to be signed into law by Governor Evers, uh, who clearly likes the status quo, even though we have dismal re- results right now. Uh, uh, talk to us a little bit about uh, the different e- education reform proposals that are making its way, making their way through
2: the legislature. Absolutely. Well, let me just start by this: Governor Evers was a, the uh, DPI; he was the the head of the Department of Public Instruction. We are at a, we are facing a point in our state where we're debating right now some proposals to reform education in our state, but let's not forget that at the end of the day, kids can't read in Wisconsin. They can't read. And if you can't read, you can't do math. And if you can't do math, um, you're gonna have a tough time doing anything in business, whether it's working as a cashier uh, or, or wanting to you know, be an entrepreneur and taking a great idea uh, and making a unicorn out of it. Like, It all comes down to being able to reading in our current educational system is failing our students. And sometimes it takes an epiphany to wake people up. You need that moment, which causes people to see the world a little bit differently. And this pandemic was that for moms and dads all across Wisconsin, because, you know, for the longest time they were more or less content sending their kids to the schools. And, you know, they were just accepting the results, the mediocre results they were getting. And, and people were believing, I think the rhetoric that the answer is, Oh, there just isn't enough money. we got to give more money to K-12 schools, even though the results never improved. So this epiphany, this moment that I think parents came to, here they are sitting at home, and they're working from home because, uh, in some cases, their companies uh, shut down and forced them to. In other cases, they had no choice because they had kids who couldn't go to school, had to learn from home. So their mom or dad sitting in, you know, they're sitting in the kitchen, logging on their computer during their Zoom call, and they're hearing now from the other room, the instruction of their child, and they're like, "They're learning what now?" and So now we get this whole dynamic of, you know, critical race theory and other, and and parents are like, my kids can't read. I want my kids to read and you're focusing on all this other stuff. So we came out with a series of bills, which really all it does is, you know, there's a lot of these different, I'm a, I'm a home builder, so. I'll go into someone's house and they'll complain to me that there's you know cracks in the ceiling on the second floor. Can you fix that? And yeah, I can fix that, but I tell them it's just going to come back because we got to go down the base. You got a foundational problem here, and if we can fix the foundation of your house, we can fix the crack. So I look at all these things, you know, like CRT and you know the use of gender pronouns and all that. So I look at that as more cracks in the plaster. The underlying premise right now is we've we've had an assault on parental involvement in their child's education. The bills that we've introduced, uh, I'm sorry, Senator Darling, Representative Gundrum, Representative Wiki and others are really trying to fix that foundation. So that was my long-winded answer. Now, let me get a little bit more specific. The bill that I personally have introduced, I've signed on to the others, the one that I'm introducing is for universal school choice because if we're gonna fix all of this, let's empower parents to send the child, let's let's let them decide. Since when was it okay for us to say government gets to tell you what school to put your child in? Our universal school choice bill, it says you the parent, pick your school. It can be public, it can be private, it can be religious, it can be homeschooled, you pick it, it can be a charter school, you pick it, you make that decision, that's our bill. And to me, that solves about 98% of everything because if you're happy with the results your child's getting at that school, great. If not, you get to move them to another one. We had representative uh, Lee Snodgrass from Appleton. You might you might remember, she came out with a tweet like a week and a half ago saying parents ought not have a say in, in their child's education. There was a poll that was done on that. And I thank God, uh, just 60% of Wisconsinites Disagree. They believe that parents should have a say in their children's education. In fact, about fifty-nine percent is what it said that they're more likely to vote for a candidate that believes in parental choice, uh, in 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 um, input involvement in their kids' education. What what really shocks me is that twenty-eight percent of Wisconsinites are willing to support someone who wants less parental say in their children's education. That's for another day. But the polling also went on to look, if you'd, if you'd more likely or less likely to support universal school choice, expansion of school choice, 68% of Wisconsinites were to that point now, which is amazing, 68% support expansion of school choice to all parents. So I feel really good about that bill. Another bill that we have out there that's getting a lot of traction is a parental bill of rights. Now think about this, we send our kids to school and in school, in many areas, they're being indoctrinated in things that run countercurrent to the parent's philosophy. And we believe fundamentally that it's the that inherently as a parent, you have the right to raise your children and make determinations uh, for them on, you know, uh, religion um, and in other curriculum. And we've identified 15 points in there. Um, and we, again, that just, this just goes down to parental involvement in being able to make these choices in the education and being able to opt out of certain things. If you, the parent, don't want your child to learn about a particular thing, you have the ability to pull them out of that. So I don't think it's controversial. The schools are very upset about, it. the public schools are very upset about it. But again, I don't know why having parents giving them the say is so controversial. So that's another high profile bill. And then one of the the there's a there's quite a few but the last I guess high profile one that I'll mention to you is is a breakup of the Milwaukee public school system so right now we have one school system in Milwaukee and uh, it is it is failing spectacularly no matter what we do no matter what we do they haven't been able to turn it around and so the thought was and I'm not from the Milwaukee area I believe this was Alberta Darlingsville but the thought was uh, why don't we why don't we break them up into um, four competing school districts? You know, and if if one's failing, maybe by breaking them up, we'll have an opportunity for some of them to find a way to succeed and then use that competition and so forth uh, to, to derive better outcomes and better options for parents. So um, at the end of the day, this empowers students, all of these things, and empowers students and parents. We're tying tax dollars in education directly to students, not to failing bureaucracy. Um, so the establishment you can expect is very much against this because we're flipping that paradigm. But if we're going to, as I mentioned before, our kids can't read. If we're going to make sure we have a workforce in 15 and 20 years um, and as a state have, have a, uh, workers and individuals who can step into these roles across our state, we've got to fix education. It all comes down to education. Our version is to give parents choice. We saw in Virginia what happened when uh, now Governor Yunkin seized upon this issue in his campaign. We saw what happened when his opponent um, said something like what Representative Snodgrass said, parents shouldn't be involved in their kids' education. And just as I mentioned before, with our state income tax, this is something where we're looking to give contrast out there. So the assembly passed all these bills, I believe, earlier this week. We will pass them. They all pass. We we look to pass them um, on our final session day, and that'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. And, and they're going to go to the governor's desk, and I know what he's going to do. Um, he's going to follow the lead of of uh the unions and of the administrators and deny parents choice in their education and veto them but i'm proud to say i've spoken with our candidates running for governor they support they certainly they certainly support the universal school choice so it's just another opportunity for us to be able to provide contrast to voters here in wisconsin
1: we should point out that um when it comes to literacy the legislature passed earlier this session, a plan to combat uh, what, the problem you described. Uh, just 36% of our children are literate by the last measure, the uh, NAEP scores back in 2019. Uh, and two thirds of our children are below proficient when it comes to literacy. The legislature uh, already forwarded to the governor a plan to combat that problem. Most importantly, it would start to track at the first and second grade level, those children, teachers believe need more help, might not make it by the third grade, reach that reading level that we need them to have by third grade. But the governor already vetoed that plan. Can you talk to us a little bit about why you think in 2022, surprise, surprise, Uh, the governor would, would veto such a common sense approach to this serious, serious problem?
2: Um, I think it comes down to the fact that I don't think they, they recognize um, their mindset is, you know, we've got these public schools, public institutions, and they just believe the rhetoric that the reason kids aren't reading is because there just isn't enough money being shovelled to these failed institutions so um, that what we we looked at a few things this year related to literacy that was one there was another movement under the walker years um, we put in we made it more stringent for teachers getting their teacher licenses we made sure that they we changed the curriculum so that you know at the end of the day um, we want to make sure that they're teaching kids in The way that's going to derive the best kind of results. Well, a lot of teachers were failing this exam and the response by some Republicans, I'm surprised, but certainly Democrats was, let's just get rid of the exam. And I think they misunderstand that we see this all the time. Let's just get when you can't meet the standards. The modern philosophy is get rid of the standards. And I guess by that metric, everybody will succeed if there is no bar, if there is no goal to to uh, to you know try and aspire to. So I think the you know Governor Evers, as I mentioned before, coming from a former DPI superintendent, um, I just don't think that he is reform minded when it comes to education, and uh, that proposal was reform minded. The proposals we have out right now are reform minded. And I think it's just going to take an executive that's got a vision uh, to empower parents in, in someone who will say, we're going to let the results drive our policy. The fact that kids can't read means we're going to alter our policies until we get to the point where they can read. I mean, it is a shame. The United States, we used to be one of the most literate nations in the world one of the best education systems in the world, and we're being surpassed by everyone. And it's all because some at some point along the way, uh, parents, we took over the responsibility and we took that away from the parents and put it to the state. and we And we pushed parents out. Now, because of that pandemic, I believe we've come to the point where we recognize and parents recognize that there has to be a better way. Um, And that's what's driving the polling that's showing significant support for what we're doing. And at the end of the day, that is why I'm so optimistic that we're going to see some, you are going to see the most remarkable transformation in the education delivery in the state of Wisconsin in a generation, probably going back to the early 90s with Governor Thompson when they first brought uh, school choice to Wisconsin. But with these proposals, We will be a leader again in the nation when it comes to education here of our K-12 students.
1: Well, Senator Roth, we're just about out of time. We want to thank you for your leadership on on these important issues, um, moving uh, our tax climate in the right direction, and also what you're doing on education, as you point out. There's nothing more important than our children and their future and
2: we uh, wish you the best of luck appreciate that very much Brad. thank you for all the work that you guys do as well to amplify uh, what we're doing and how we work in concert here just to educate people and provide information with the right information people will make the right decisions so thank you it's been a pleasure
0: thank you senator roth If you are new to the podcast and like what you hear, make sure you get every MacGyver Newsmakers podcast delivered directly to your device. Don't miss a single interview with key newsmakers in Wisconsin and beyond. Be sure to subscribe through your favorite podcast app, SoundCloud, iTunes, or wherever else you get your podcasts. And make sure you share the the MacGyver podcast with your friends, your family, and those in your life that could use some exposure to common sense. If you have an idea for a podcast, please send us an email at info at or follow us at MacGyver Reports. We'd love to hear your thoughts on the show, any ideas for guests you would like to hear from, comments, criticism, or whatever else is on your mind. Thanks again for listening to the MacGyver Newsmaker Podcast, and until next time, keep fighting the good fight.